Hey, listener, we would love it if you could take a quick moment to give our podcast a review on iTunes, Spotify, or leave us a message on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Welcome to the Our Community Lessons podcast. My name is Adam Salgat, and today's topic is utilizing the skills in youth education. I have two wonderful guests with me today who have many years of experience working in education. I'd first like to welcome back to our podcast, Our Community Lessons Leader of Education Initiatives, Mike Disparis. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm great, Adam. Really, really excited to be back, not just for today, but the future education podcast that we have. And just super excited about our first education guest that we have with Christy. And that's right. She is our second guest, Christy Hewell, who resides in Edwardsville, Illinois, just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. She is the Education Outreach Coordinator for Educate Today and is also a fellow podcaster as she hosts their Classroom Matters podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today, Christy. Yeah. Hey, Adam. Thank you so much for having me. And hi, Michael. Nice to see you again. Be back. Christy, tell me a little bit about your work as the Education Outreach Coordinator and podcast host. Sure. So at Educate.Today, we are a non-for-profit organization, and the main thing that we do is to produce high-quality uh, first-person curriculum and content for K-12. through um, All of our resources are online, and we are a team of educators that really have a passion for putting great resources in the hands of teachers who can then pass those on to their kids. So I do a lot of content development. Um, I do a lot of community and partnership outreach with other education organizations and school districts and just sort of serve as that liaison between the educational resources that we provide and the schools and the students and the teachers as well. And then, of course, like you said, I'm a podcast host as well. So the podcast is Classroom Matters, and it's exactly what it is. It's Matters of the Classroom, and been doing the podcast for about a year. And we really look for stories that are stories of inspiration and hope and, you know, stories that let teachers and parents and students know that they're not alone um, and that there's a lot of stuff going on, and we're just there to support that. Thanks so much. I will say I listened a little bit to your latest podcast. And while I have young kids, I'm, it was very educational. And uh, I enjoyed all of the information that was being presented about keeping your kids safe on the internet. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Mike, before we go too far and everything, I, I want everyone to have a little bit of a background on your history in education. I know we talked a little bit about it on a prior podcast, but give me a short synopsis of that. So just a really quick breakdown. Um, I've been in education over 20 years as a behavior specialist, a special education teacher. I got to work as an education consultant doing lots of training at an education service center in Texas. And then prior to joining OCL, I was also a coordinator of special education. I overlooked 33 school districts as well, too. Christy, can you give us a little bit of your background? Because I know you and I have known each other now for about seven months, um, and you, you've had an opportunity to go into a class or to a, a communication skills class through OCL. Mm-hmm. And we've had an opportunity to fly to a location and look at a place that was working on OCL skills at another school. 
and got to know each other pretty well. But you have such a really cool, unique background in education. And if you could walk us through as like a teacher, as an administrator, and then also someone who does homeschooling now and with everything else that you do with Educate Today, if you give us a little bit of that background, because not only is it unique, but I think it's extremely dynamic how you use all that to continue to grow in the field of education and support folks. Sure. So as you said, I started off my career in education. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher and educator. So I was sort of one of those people that said, oh, you know, I used to play school all the time and um, in my grandma's basement. And I was always the teacher. I was never (laughs) the student, regardless if I was three or five or seven. I always had to be in charge. So I went into education and I began by teaching uh, second and third grade. And I did that for about 10 years in a fairly large school district in Missouri. And then I was offered an assistant principal position within that same district, which I did for a year. And then I was called by another large school district in in Missouri and offered a building principal uh, position. And so I took that position and did that for 10 years. And I absolutely loved every minute that I spent as both a teacher and an administrator. And you know, it's funny about my teaching background and my administrator background is because I went from a very, very, very high socioeconomic school district to a rather low socioeconomic school district in a year. And so it was a huge transition for me, but I was able to see firsthand what amazing things were happening within the low socioeconomic school district that people just didn't even realize was happening. And so I felt that that really helped me grow as an educator. And especially with some of the stuff that I learned in the Art Communities Listens, it it, it sort of helped me understand how to be a better listener um, when you worked with those types of families that really need you. So from there, I decided that, you know, I had some some personal things that were happening in my life. And I have three children that really needed me. And my youngest was actually diagnosed as being on the spectrum in kindergarten and was struggling. And so at that time, I, I uh, decided to resign my position and be at home full time and be a homeschool mom. So that then led me to homeschooling my three children. And I've been doing that for the last four years while also working um, at educate.today and sort of still having one foot in the world of education while I have one foot at home with my family as well. So it's really been the best of both worlds for me. It's such a unique background and and very cool and how you use just the the different things that you have and all the diversity dealt with and kind of focused on. And I know as an OCL alumni, for someone who's taken the communication skills training, we've talked a lot about what you've learned, how excited you were. Talk a little bit about the pivotal point we are in in education with starting a brand new school year that doesn't look like any other school year we've ever started before. And what are your thoughts going in and like some advice, not just to educators, whatever role they serve, but also the parents out there and just kind of like giving folks grace on both sides so we can really support the bottom line, which is our kiddos. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that you're you're exactly right when you say, you know, we're going into some really unchartered territories, something that none of us have ever um, had to experience before. And I think that, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing, aside from, you know, the obvious, which are, you know, the logistics of where the children are going to be and the the internet and who's got a computer and who doesn't and how are the kids going to learn? I think that what I'm really seeing in folks that are coming to me is such a high level of 
anxiety and unsuredness of themselves. And, you know, parents that are really, really stressing out and really sort of, I don't want to say freaking out, but, you know, really kind of sort of freaking out about, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this all day with my kids? I can't do this. I'm not ready. I don't have the skills. And teachers are saying the same things about themselves. I don't know how to do this. I've never taught remotely. I'm not used to this. And so I think it's pushing all of us into looking internally and we are bridging gaps between homeschool parents, teachers, now parents that are going to be homeschooling that we've never been able to bridge before. And so I think there are some silver linings in there that we're all learning a lot of really good lessons. And you talk about grace and space. And I think I, you know, we're all learning that we do have one common goal. And that is that, you know, Adam, your children, you want your children to grow up and be happy and healthy and successful and be able to be prepared for whatever comes for them. And that might look different than what my children have in their journey. And Michael, that might look different than what your children have prepared for them in their future. But I want what's best for your children, Adam, and you want what's best for my children, and I want what's best for Michael's children. And I think that as long as we keep that mentality for each other, the grace and the space and giving people time to acclimate to these new circumstances, to put the judgments aside and just really walk together, um, we're going to be okay. I really like how you kind of broke that down and explained that and taking a look at it because... As Adam and I were talking earlier, um, we don't know moment to moment what's going to happen in location to location. So like some places might be starting off online or some places might be like we're going to be in person, but tomorrow that could shift to online or a hybrid. And it's just really having that flexibility to understand whatever is happening at this moment in time, let's just focus on the kids and the outcomes and what we can best do, understanding that We're all just trying our best, whether we're a parent, we're a paraprofessional, we're a teacher, we're a counselor, we're a principal, you know, we're a school board member, we're just a really supportive grandparent, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we all have something that we want, you know, as our outcome to be for the kids as well. I'd like to mention that um, my wife is an educator, and when we're talking about judgment, I, the words teacher evaluation came up in my mind. And I'm just wondering from former principal perspective, like I know she's always worried about how her, her principal is going to, you know, evaluate her. What, what are they going to say she's doing well, not doing well. And we've had the discussion already and we haven't had one day of this 2020 school year. And I think, you know, she's come to the realization that as long as she goes through it with a positive attitude and tries to do the best she can, most likely she's going to come out okay. Can you talk about it though, from that from that leader perspective, that principal perspective, what that what you imagine they're going through for that type of teacher evaluation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point that you bring up, Adam. Um, those are some of the things that folks don't necessarily think about when you when you think about us going into a school year like we're going into. And so as a former administrator who obviously I was responsible for evaluating everyone in my building, and I had about 50, 50 teachers plus paras and everybody else that works in a school. And I think, you know, a good leader, any, anybody can tell you that a good leader is someone that walks with their staff. They walk beside them. They don't walk ahead of them. They don't walk behind them. They walk beside them. They're doing this alongside of them. And, you know, it's funny that you bring up that she's already stressed out. You know, if you're, 
if you are not doing your due diligence as a leader to bring down the level of anxiety and stress, then you're sort of setting your folks up for failure to begin with. And it breaks my heart. You know, I've had so many teachers and so many parents reaching out to me over the last couple of weeks. And I feel like the first couple of days, I just have to calm them down and reassure yeah. them. You're going to do fine. Take it in baby steps. We don't know. Like Michael said, tomorrow might look different than today. Next week might look different than the day before that. We don't know. So I think, you know, just letting people know that, you know, is it important that your kids learn, you know, multiplication and division? Of course it is, but that's not really the pinnacle of what we want to be doing right now. I think it's important that teachers are making sure that their students are mastering the content and that they're giving the students the tools and resources and guiding them through the learning process. But I think it's much more important than that now that kids are seeing that we as adults and that the adults whether it's the principal and the teachers are really coming together as a community to keep everyone healthy and to feel loved and to feel accepted and to feel supported in the walks that we're all taking right now. Christy, I think your comments about like the leadership and walking with them are, you know, so important to understand and for us to kind of focus on how we really support each other. Even we view us, view each of us as a leader. So how does the principal also do that with the parents and how do the parents do that with the principal and then the teachers do it going up as well too. So my, my thoughts are, I've had lots of conversations with teachers and principals and just stressed out folks coming up to this year, just like you kind of talked about. Is there a certain skill you lean on that you've learned in communication skill training that you bring to it or you remind yourself of rather than like throwing out an opinion or something? that you're, you're using at this time to kind of just support those folks that are calling you up sometimes out of the blue and you're not ready for it? Is there something you're, you're kind of leaning on with an OCL skill? Yeah, you know, well, there's so many things, you know, I've, I've talked with you before and you were on my <laughs> podcast and like I could literally go on and on for days about yeah. how... <laughs> the, the, the Our Community Listens training, it, it really was truly... And I don't want to sound cheesy, but when I say life changing, it really is a way that you live and you emulate these skills that you learn and you do have to learn them and you do have to practice them. So when we're talking about people today, when I talk to them, I think that really looking back on some of the our community listens skills, especially when we're talking about the reflective listening skills. And, you know, you mentioned not throwing in your opinion and not judging people and really, truly listening. I think that that really just listening with empathy and not try, you know, be, you know, because we learned in that, in that training that everybody has a motive. Everybody's just trying to get what they need, a need, a need, even though it may not feel like they're doing that. I may have the best of intentions, but when I'm constantly trying to, in a conversation with a teacher or a parent who might feel stressed out or anxious, they might just need me to listen to them, not to try to cut in, not to give them my opinion, not to tell them how I'm going through the same thing. And now let me tell you my story just really, truly listening and giving them those acknowledgements that, you know, we talk about in those reflective listening skills, letting them know that with either a verbal or a nonverbal, we understand what you're going through. And I need you to tell me how to support you. And I can do that. So I really think that, you know, the silence, uh, that's a great skill. It's one of the great, uh, uh, principles of the reflective listening, just allowing some time for silence, not feeling like you always have to be jumping in the conversation and just the acknowledgement piece and really thinking and giving them an opportunity to talk to you about how they're feeling. 
That's great. When you when you're going through this and you're really like talking about the reflective listening skills, and you have someone who calls you up or maybe you meet for them with coffee or something, and you can feel that anxiety we talked about earlier, you know, and that tension is there on that person's mind, and you really just start to listen and practice that silence piece. Do you feel like people kind of calming down and maybe working through some of the problems on their own? Or do you like they get more tense or how do you feel like the skills support that person with just going through the list? Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that specifically when you talk about the silence, people aren't used to that. Yeah. And as human beings, we feel a lot of times like if there's silence, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a while to get used to when I am speaking to someone, but most people already know me by now. So they know they're probably going to get a lot of silence um, because it's me opening the door for them and just really being able to process it. But to answer your question, I think it does sort of calm them a little bit because they don't feel as pressured to continue the conversation. And sometimes they just need that silence. Um, And I think that combined with the attending behaviors which is really, really, really hard for people in the times that we are that attending behaviors. I think that might be one of the most important things that you can do is, but you know, everyone with their cell phones and with this and with that, and thinking about all these other things that we have to do, it's really hard to be fully present with someone. And I, I think that that really makes people feel valued if you're able to do that, but it's hard. It's not something that comes easy. Not even for me. I find myself like, Oh, let me just check that really quick. But you have to, it's something that you have to learn how to, that to be your new way of living. I love the value idea because it's a connection piece. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at my cell phone while you're talking. It's different than when we're looking eye to eye and we really are practicing those attending behaviors because then there's a trust and there's a value for it as well. And I think with the, with the way we're going with zoom and all that, it's really, it's just really important to, to convey the message that you are more important to me than anything else that's going on in my life for these 10 minutes. And I'm going to, I'm going to honor you by giving you those, you know, that my time. Really love what you just stated there. Cause I think that's pretty important. And we've talked a lot about, you know, how this is kind of translating to adults and I'm curious, you know, I heard you mention silence and when, uh, when there's silence, there might be something wrong. Well, I have a one and a half year old. So anytime <laughs> I hear silence, I am wondering right? what, what is going on. What are they doing? What, what did you find? So thinking about that one and a half year old, not quite the age range that we're talking about, but when it comes to kids specifically, a lot of these things are transferable, but I'm kind of curious from both of your perspectives and, and um, I'll let either of you jump in. I'm not sure if either you have a direct answer to this right away, but when we're talking about kids and utilizing these skills, how do they shift or how do they, how do they change if at all when we're you know speaking to a 10-year-old to 18-year-old, that, that age range that's pretty vital? I think, and Christy, you can you know, back up or say, I have another idea as well. The role modeling piece is so critically important, right? So what I do with my children, whether they're at my home or I'm coaching little league or boy scouts or girl scouts or whatever, or teaching in a class, how I present myself is really how role modeling 
to them the expectations as well. So it's not just saying do this, it's showing them that you are a part of actually doing it as well too. And I think that role modeling is really important process. Because if I just say you need to do this and then I'm not doing it, I'm losing like a really big connection piece. And sooner or later, kids are just going to, you know, there's not going to be a sense of belonging. There's not going to be a trust level with us as well, too. So really trying to role model that I think is critical. And also to say, hey, guess what? I messed up. Should have been listening to you. And I just kept butting in thinking I had your answers. So Christy, I'll let you, you follow up with your thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that you hit on a few things that I was thinking of as well. And I, you know, I think a lot of it depends on the situation and the relationship that you have with the child. You know, obviously a relationship is for me, I've, I've always been, you know, even as a teacher, my first year of teaching, I almost literally got let go because I was not a hundred percent on the content. And so, you know, I had a lot of parents that were upset that the, you know, this was wrong or there was a misspelling in the newsletter. And, you know, granted I was one year out of college, first teaching gig I'd ever had. And it was actually an overflow class. So what that means is they had too many kids in a grade level and they needed to add a teacher in September, but 20 plus years ago, there was no system. So every, you know, every teacher got to choose which three kids they wanted to give up to the new teacher. Well, you can imagine the class that I received. (laughs) And let me tell you, (laughs) um, it was not a super fun year, but I, you know what? The one thing that always remained, I might've been not, I might not have been the best at teaching math. I might not have been the best at understanding their curriculum, but I absolutely loved those kids. And they knew that I loved them and we had a great relationship and I told them that I loved them and I hugged them. And so, you know, I think it really just depends on when you're talking about the listening skills and transferring those down to children, you know, it's going to look much different with a class full of kids and the relationship that you have with them based on if it's your own 10 year old that you've told 17 times to, you know, pick up their socks and they're still not doing it. Um, But I think, you know, Mike is right on when he talks about you know, we assume a lot about kids. And I think that's a a big mistake that adults make that just because my child is seven or eight or nine doesn't mean that he automatically knows the right and wrong way to behave or the right and wrong thing to say. He's going to learn that by watching me. They're going to learn that by emulating. And, you know, I, that's what you were talking about, Mike, they're going to emulate what they see us do. And so I think with this the our community listens um, principles. It's a way for us to sort of force ourselves to look inside at what our behaviors are, and then once we have a handle on that and we can work on that, then we can sort of help our children to emulate the same behaviors. We can't just assume kids automatically know because we don't know. We don't have the right, right. behaviors a lot of times. So how in the world can they? So yeah, I mean, and and you both have children, so I'm sure that you've seen them pick up things and say things that you say or emulate and. You know, just the other day, my, my 10 year old walked around and he was like, Oh my gosh. And I was like, honey, why? And my husband goes, that's you. <laughs> he sounds just like you. You say that all the time. He's like a little mini me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're right. So, you know, I mean, so Mike, you're right. They emulate us and we have to really be <laughs> the, the leader on that. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's it's so interesting. Sometimes we have to have other people point that out to us. And sometimes it's not our spouses or our friends, it's the kids. Mm-hmm. And we really have to tune into that rather than just kind of push that to the side. Yeah. So for sure. 
I'm just going to say yes, because, <laughs> because uh, when Mike gave that advice in a prior podcast, it made me think, and your example just now of the, oh my gosh, your 10 year old let out. I'm like, yep, I've seen that with my four year old and mm-hmm. on both sides. So yeah, absolutely. Great comments. Christy, I have a thought, like you, you brought up your own kids, right? Yeah. And we talked a little about like the 10 year old and some of the other stuff. So you also play this role as homeschooler with a, a, like a big background in education, right. pedagogy, content curriculum, and then following like the homeschool pieces as well. And I know you do a lot of, well, pre-COVID, like you would do a lot of outreach with your kids where you'd go to a museum and really time mm-hmm. Yeah. As a parent homeschooler, where you're also playing the role of a parent and a teacher, what skills do you find most helpful in working with your own kids? Because it's different with your own kids sometimes because they're Very. a little bit harder, right? Because that trust is there. So you yep. may see some behaviors like they wouldn't show to other people. Absolutely. So how do you use those skills to support you? You know, that's a good point. And I think that that has been something that I've really learned over the last four years is that I think the, the biggest thing that parents need to really focus on before they focus on what their kids need to learn as far as content is know your children. I didn't know my kids and I'll be the first one to tell you that because I was never with my kids. When I was an administrator, um, I was gone 10, 12 hours a day. I couldn't tell you other than a quick look through a binder and signing a paper and, you know, all these things, what my, how my kids learned, what type of learner, whether they were visual or an auditory learner or a hands-on learner, or I knew none of that. And um, it took me a while to really know my children and know what their interests were when it came to school and know how they learned and what time of the day they learned best. And to just lower the expectations that I had put on myself. And I think that's what a lot of parents are doing now. And that's why they're struggling is because they're trying to emulate the school system into their home. And that's not even possible. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't want to do that. School systems were set up for a large number of students. It's an institution. Um, it's an organized institution where you've got 25 kids in a room. So you have to do things that are, you know, on a stricter schedule. But when you have two or three kids, you don't. And so I think parents just getting to know your children, getting to know how they learn best, getting to know the time of day they learn best, how they ingest content, and what is really important for them to retain you know, we call those sort of the must knows and the good to knows. Um, you must know this, and it's good if you know this, but that's not a, a, a have to know, right? And um, so I think just that's my, sort of my, my my advice when I talk to parents right off the bat is baby step it. Don't try to emulate what they're doing in the school because it you're just going to end up in tears. And if you get to a point with your children in the middle of a math lesson and they're frustrated and you're frustrated and all that, stop, just stop. It's okay. You know, lower your expectations on yourselves. But it's difficult for parents because they think everyone's looking at them. Everyone's watching them. You know, I just was on a conversation with a mom for two days and I'm not even sure what state she lives in, but she reached out to me and she is just really panicked about how she's going to make sure that her kids get all this content. I'm like, just slow down. Stop. It's okay. You're going to be all right. So yeah, it's just basics. Get to know your kids. It's almost like even allowing yourself to practice that pause. Yeah. Well, 
and we kind of get that. What's also nice probably is that you, you're not held up against a clock. Like I got five minutes before the bell rings to release my children and stuff like that as well too, to be able to kind of say, okay, let's all take a break. I'm back yep. later on. So yeah. And just advice, you know, not to put strict timelines on yourself and your children because they won't work and you will feel like a failure when you're really not just don't even do that to yourself. Um, you know, it's funny when I first, my very first year of homeschooling, I literally redesigned our dining room, took everything out of our dining room, created a school room, blackboards on the wall, whiteboards, three little desks all in a row, teacher's desk flag on the wall, posters, and it failed. It, it failed because I was trying to emulate something that I couldn't emulate in my home. And the first year was really, really tough. And I was a lot of tears. There was a lot of fighting because like you said, Michael, I could control a building of 500 kids and those kids would do anything I asked them, but I couldn't control my own three and get them to do what I wanted them to do. Yeah. And finally, one day my husband came in and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm teaching. I'm, I'm, what do you mean? What am I doing? He's like, this isn't working. Like he could, cause my husband works from home as well. He's an, he, yeah. he's an engineer and he's got a home office. So he would hear us arguing and my kids upset and me upset and people going into this said, Oh, you're going to be great. You've got all this background and you've worked with kids, but it's, it's not the same. And so I had to lift some of those expectations off of myself and just say, you know what, we're done with this. Let's just, you know, and give your kids a chance to adapt to the environment. If you're homeschooling this year and it's something new, you know, yes, the reflective listening is great. Um, the empathy is great. Um, the nonverbals and the, you know, all these things that, that we want to try to take with us from the, this, our community listens training is great, but you know, just slow down a little bit and try to let your kids have some time to adapt to a new situation. Christy, I wanted to give you the opportunity to share a little bit more about Educate.today and your mission. Yeah, thank you. So the mission at Educate.today is really to just provide um, enrichment for students. Now, we, we don't uh, provide actual curriculum, but what we do is we provide content that enhances the curriculum or the unit studies or the content or the topics that your children or students are currently learning. And so our mission is really just to support teachers and educators and to really put great resources in their hands so that they can put those resources in the hands of their students. And we really try to create um, first person experiences. And if you go to our website, it's just educate.today. That's all you have to type in. You will be able to search um, by content area, by keyword. And so what you're going to find and what your students are going to find are, um, you know, we've had a lot of folks coming and using our civil rights with all all of the um, civil unrest that's been happening in the nation over the last six months. And what you're going to find that's different with our resources is we actually offer a first person account of things that happen. So when you look at our civil rights resources, you're going to be hearing from folks that were involved in the civil rights movement, people that were walking with Martin Luther King Jr., people that were in wow. Selma. And, and those are the stories that you're going to hear. You're also going to hear a lot about people that are working in the field that you're currently researching. So if you're learning about weather, you're going to hear all about weather, but you're also going to hear from a meteorologist and they're going to talk to you all about what it's like to be a meteorologist. So 
uh, all of our resources on our website are free. If you just go to educate.today, you can use our resources and um, stream all the video content that you want. There's also lesson plan activities that go with the videos and um, the Classroom Matters podcast is available there as well. And they're free. Yay! I like the free because everyone's looking for such yeah. great resources, but mm-hmm. funding is obviously a big issue right now sure. too. So I love the free side yep. as well. All for free. Storytelling is a very powerful tool to get people to understand and hopefully reevaluate. Um, so I think what you have sounds like what you have going there is uh, very, very smart. And I wouldn't expect anything else from this wonderful woman that I've gotten to meet today. <laughs> I do want to know, though, tell me a little bit about your story in the idea of why Educate.today is important to you. Oh, gosh. I think uh, being a teacher and being an administrator, I think that we try to have our children digest a lot of information that is not authentic or applicable to the world that we live in. And it seems at times that we are growing as a society, but sometimes the things that we teach our students are from the dark ages and it doesn't fully prepare them for the world that they're going to be living in when they turn 18 and decide to be on their own. So I think to me, it's sort of been like being part of a passion project that I can really have the flexibility to know this is what I wish I would have had. I would have loved to have had this to show my kids to spark interest in children. You know, we've got such a variety that you're going to find something for that child. And I think a lot of, you know, I've always had a heart for, for students that um, are suspended or have had disciplinary issues and are really, really struggling to find their way. Um, I think these resources have been a great way for us to reach kids like that, that may not have another way to learn about these things or school districts that don't have the funds to go on field trips and talk to folks like this. So it's really been great to be able to be an advocate and to be someone working on such a great in a great organization that offers these um, these these resources to kids because they may not they may not have them anywhere else, and it's a you know it's a safe environment. They're not just surfing YouTube where they could like go to who knows where, which is you know the whole online safety thing that we talked about on the classroom matters. But yeah, I think that I'm just so proud to be part of what they're doing at Educate Today. I think it's just phenomenal resource for teachers and kids and parents now too. Mike and Christy, thank you both for being on the podcast today. As always, we like to challenge our guests to come up with a couple of key takeaways for our listeners. Mike, I'll let you go first. Sure. Thank you, Adam. So my key takeaway with the school year starting and as we progress in the school year and knowing that lots of changes that are going to take place and changes, we don't know what's going to happen from day to day, week to week. Is just, you know, be in the moment, uh, lead with empathy, and just kind of practice the pause that we're all trying to learn, and that there's going to be some really good things that come out in education to move us in a better direction. We continue to have that focus. Christy? Well, I was going to say the exact same thing that Mike said. <laughs> Ditto. All right. Well, Ditto. Ditto. No. <laughs> the end. Um, no, I agree with him. But, you know, I think a key takeaway from me is really we're all sort of 
in the same, we're all the same person now, right? We're, there's not just one person that's a teacher and one person that's a parent and one person that, you know, is an educator. We're all doing the same things together. And so, you know, I've, I've used the words bridge the gap a lot of, Mm -hmm. I think a couple of times here, but I really think that that's, we need to, instead of looking at what we don't have and what we can't do and sort of the negatives and, you know, the, this is terrible think about the the things that that we've talked about in this podcast and things that are happening that are positives where we are sort of coming together we are learning how to support each other we're all doing this together it's not teachers against parents and now it's homeschoolers against public schoolers so i think that that's been a silver lining in this that we're really truly learning to be supportive and understanding of where everyone is and and just being accepting of the choices that people are, are making that they feel are best for their family at this time. Well said. Thank you both for the key takeaways and all of the information. If you'd like some further information and further resources, uh, check out educate.today. Thank you, Christy, for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Christy. You're welcome. Thank you. It's awesome. If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylessons.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.